The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. So for those of you who have mocked the mock, you can suck it. Uh, Because guess what? I got the season opener right. Just a few minutes ago, I learned from a really good source, and I tweeted this out at Kevin Sheehan, D.C., that Washington will open up its 2023 season at home against the Arizona Cardinals exactly the way I mocked it. Uh, If I sound proud, uh, happy, uh, I am because I don't think I've ever gotten a season opener right. I think I've had the opponent right, but the venue um, wrong. I think I had the Giants as the season opener one year in the Meadowlands, and they played it at FedEx Field. But I don't think I've ever gotten the season opener right. And the truth is, more thought goes into the season opener than the rest of the mock schedule. So uh, I gave you the reasoning the other day. I mean, netting it out, you know, to begin the Dan Snyder era, it would have sucked to have a home game against the Cowboys, Eagles, or Giants, Cowboys and Eagles in particular, where the opponent's fans overtook the stadium. And I thought that even though they had opened up at home three straight years, maybe the NFL would say, hey, beginning of a new era, let's let Washington play a home opener uh, they can sell it out, and let's give them, you know, uh, the least imposing fan base as an opponent, as a road opponent. And Arizona kind of fit that bill. I have no idea if that's the reasoning they used. I don't even care. I got it right. The rest of the mock schedule could be completely wrong. I do not care. Happy NFL schedule day to all of you, those of you who enjoy. Many of you don't. I do. Uh, obviously, I do. I have a mock schedule in anticipation of this. Uh, The whole schedule in its entirety will be out tonight. Many of you may already have it at this point. Um, But uh, some of the Washington games are out already, and I think it was J.P. Finley who tweeted out earlier today that Washington is going to play on Thanksgiving Day this year against the Cowboys in Dallas. That'll be five times since 2012 at Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Um... Also, uh, I had earlier that they're going to close the season at home against the Cowboys, uh, and that'll be a second straight year of doing that. 
again, by the time you get this, you'll probably know a lot more games. I'm not going to sit here and do a lot on the schedule here in the open because we'll do more of that tomorrow when it's out completely and it is official. Uh, but yeah, Washington and Arizona in the opener in FedEx Field and Washington at Dallas on Thanksgiving Day and Washington versus Dallas to close the season. A couple of other games that were out there, Washington and Chicago on Thursday night football in week five at FedEx Field. Last year, they played that game at Soldier Field in week six on Thursday night football. And I think it was also JP who had Washington at the Jets on Christmas Eve. Uh, There's a site that I follow, at Nerding on NFL. Yeah, it's kind of apropos, at Nerding on NFL. Um, That's a good site to follow uh, because a lot of these Twitter sites leak out a lot of bogus stuff, um, and at Nerding on NFL kind of gets it right a lot. Uh, But anyway, uh, enough on the schedule, plenty of time for that tomorrow. Ben Standing's going to join me shortly. We will talk uh, some Ron Rivera. We will talk also about minicamp, which starts tomorrow. Uh, and there will be a missing rookie from minicamp. Uh, then with Ben, I will talk some NBA because Ben covered the NBA and covered the Wizards forever. I'm not going to do the NBA playoffs and talk about Warriors, Lakers, and Anthony Davis right here in the open. I will save it for the final segment to do with my good friend, Uh, Ben Standing. Uh, The show today is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC and they'll allow you to cash in and cash out quickly. What does that mean? Well, if you want to just bet the NBA playoffs tonight or for the weekend, whatever you deposit once you've wagered that amount in aggregate, you'll be eligible to cash out right away. A lot of sites don't let you do that. MyBookie does. Uh, go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. You must use my promo code, Kevin DC. If there's something written in the promo code, promo code section, erase it and write Kevin DC. By the way, my bookie's already got some point spreads up for week one. You know, we know now the opener will be Detroit at Kansas City. The Chiefs are six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Lions in the first game of the year. We know that the first Monday night game will be the Jets with Aaron Rodgers hosting Buffalo. What a Monday night opener that'll be. Buffalo is a three-point favorite. All of your NFL prop bets uh, up at my bookie as well. Use my promo code, KevinDC. Before we get to Ben, I did want to uh, talk briefly about this story that appeared in the Washington Post last night, written by Mark Maskey and Nikki Javala, titled, NFL Finance Committee Has Concerns About Josh Harris's Commander's Deal. I had Dan Kaplan from The Athletic on the radio show yesterday, and I think I talked about that with Tommy yesterday. Or maybe I didn't. I forget. Um, But anyway... Um, He had written a story that said that the Harris deal is very complex and that, you know, right now the league is trying to wrap their arms around the structure of the deal, that there's more debt in the deal. In fact, Snyder may be seller financing part of this deal by loaning the Harris group $200 million. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, But Maskey and Nikki Javala wrote after the league held 
its finance meeting in New York yesterday, and I'm going to read from the story. Members of the NFL's finance committee raised concerns about Josh Harris's tentative $6.05 billion deal to purchase the Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder, slowing momentum for the approval of the potential sale and dimming the prospects of a ratification vote by the league's team owners later this month. Three people familiar with the NFL's inner workings and the owners' views said... The reservations expressed during a meeting of the eight-owner finance committee do not mean Harris's deal will be rejected. They said the committee must spend more time examining the financial aspects, and one of them said it seems increasingly unlikely the owners can vote to approve the transaction, even on a conditional basis, during their May 22nd, May 23rd meetings in Minneapolis. A quote in this story, the Maskey-Nikki Javala story, quote, everyone wants to get it done. I'm not saying it can't get done. I don't know. We'll have to see. Closed quote. According to that person, questions were raised during the meeting about some aspects of the deal. That person said the agreement is complex and the financing includes an unusually large number of limited partners. There are 17. I'll add parenthetically, that's been reported before. Another person said finance commi- the finance committee, excuse me, the finance committee emerged from Wednesday's meeting with less clarity and certainty about the deal than it had beforehand. If no ratification vote is taken this month, and that means a vote of all of the owners where they have to get three quarters of the owners to approve the deal, The NFL could schedule a special meeting for the owners to take an approval vote over the summer. The owners' next scheduled meeting is in October. Um, There's more to this story. Uh, Others connected to the process still remain confident that the deal will eventually happen, um, but others are more uncertain now. The major obstacles to the completion of the deal in many, uh, in, in their view, in the people that they talk to, remain the NFL's dealings directly with Snyder, not with Harris. Um, but we know that the deal with Snyder and Harris isn't finalized. It's still a non-exclusive deal. So what does all this mean? It means that Dan's got his issues with the league, Okay. The Harris deal is the only deal on the table right now that is being taken seriously. It doesn't mean, I guess, that Apostolopoulos or somebody else could be out of it until this thing is done. I think more than anything, it means that Josh Harris would not be able to buy another NFL team. But they want Washington sold. The league does. They want Dan out of the league. And they are trying to work with this uh, more complex structure of a deal, which includes not only the $1.1 billion in allowable debt against the team, but perhaps, uh, as it was reported uh, yesterday uh, by The Athletic and Dan Kaplan, Josh Harris may be taking debt out on his other sports teams to afford this purchase, and that has the NFL concerned. I asked Kaplan point-blank yesterday, Do you think he'd be able to buy another NFL team if it wasn't this one? And he said no. Uh, They want Dan out. They're working with Harris. I have no idea what it means in terms of timing, but it certainly seems like it's going to happen later rather than sooner. 
as I've been saying, the opposite all along. I wouldn't be concerned. I still think Harris is going to buy the team. I still think Snyder's going to sell the team. But the league just has to get more comfortable with the structure of the deal. And at the end of the day, what it really means is if Harris ends up buying this team, it was a stretch for them to buy this team to a certain degree. And what does that mean when it comes to things like the stadium, where they're going to have to pluck down two to $3 billion to build a new stadium, if not more, to build everything around it? And does that mean D.C. is less of a possibility if Virginia offers more money? All of that, uh, I think, is an issue or at least a legitimate concern. All right, Ben Standig, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show with our good friend Ben Standig is presented by Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation. All with their best deal of the year. Get 0% financing for five years. That's unheard of. 0% interest for five years. If you finance your new window purchase, you won't pay interest until the year twenty. 28. On top of that, you get two free windows with every two you buy, meaning you're paying half price. There's no limit on that, and there is no exception for any style of window that you want. Call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan. They'll give you a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose. You won't work with a better company, with a better product, or a better deal right now. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Ben is jumping on with us. How excited are you on schedule day? Um, I mean, look, I'm excited for my to know what I'll be do what where I'll be over the next or, or you know, for the month of September through the beginning of January. Uh, the 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 leaking of it isn't my favorite aspect of it, but uh, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I I, I think it's interesting and I think it's Essentially, a big factor in what happened to the team this year, the order that is of the schedule. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Why is the leaking of it not your favorite thing? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just doesn't. Uh, like, we already know the opponents. So it's just, uh, you know, it, like, like when they leak the pick of the draft, like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple minutes before the actual pick, right. I don't know who the team is going to pick here. We know they're going to play Team X on, on day Y. Or, sorry, Team X, we just don't know when. But whatever. It is what it is. 
Um, yeah, I, it, look, th- that's the thing, and that's the fascination um, with, that that some like you have with people like me who are fascinated by this schedule release. It's like, well, wait a minute, you already know who they're going to play. Like, I remember the first few years I did the mock schedule, people would say, I, I don't get it. You already know the, the teams they're playing. Yes, but you don't know when you, they're playing them and whether or not it's a prime time game and how it'll lay out. And But I remember in those early days, people would say, I, I don't really get what you're doing here. I remember there was a lot of that. It's like you're just taking the games that we all know and you're just putting some order to it. And I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Exactly. Um, and now everybody does it. Now that now, and I've already talked about this in the open. Now there are all these Twitter, you know, accounts dedicated to leaking schedule rumors, um, many of which are confirmed. In fact, I, I have found, and I talked about it in the open, a site that's been pretty much right about all of the leaks it's had for the last couple of years. But anyway, I'm not going to bother you with schedule talk. I've already talked about that uh, in the open. And by the time many people listen to this, it won't matter anyway, because they'll know what the schedule is. Um, We've got Ben on the show. Of course, Ben writes for The Athletic. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig, and you can listen to his podcast. It, It is called Standig Room Only. Uh, Ben does a great job covering the team. Um, I want to play a soundbite for everybody. You've heard it, uh, but I want to play it for everybody. This was John Keim interviewing Ron Rivera out at the Arizona League meetings. Ben was out there uh, for that, uh, and a lot of the beat reporters ended up talking um, to um, to Ron. And this was uh, a soundbite uh, in which Ron is asked about you know what he will say to new ownership once new ownership takes over. Uh, I want everybody to hear it, uh, and then we will comment. I'll be very clear about, hey, my first three years, these were the things that we wanted to do. Well, what happened this year? This year, we, I made decisions to do certain things. I made a decision. These are why I made decisions to change my coordinators. These are the decisions that we're doing right now, and this is what we really feel is this opportunity to roster build. Okay? Pure roster build. Saying, this is about going forward. This is not about now. I don't even think I'm trying to do anything because I'm desperate. I'm doing things the right way. Okay? Because at the end of the day, if they're not happy and they want to let me go, great. But at least the roster is in the position that if you come in with this philosophy saying, we got to build what we got right now, the quarterback is the right guy, the running game is in place, and we got five playmakers. Okay? And when I say that, I talk about three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Those are your five playmakers on the field at the time. You can feel good that this team is going forward. That's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm not worried about what, what the decision is after a year. What I'm worried about is making sure that this roster is being built, it's in place, and if I leave, I leave it in a good position. So what are you hearing um, in that soundbite and talking about, you know, right now, like when, when he says specifically, this is not about now, this is about, you know, the roster building thing that we've heard about and implying that it's really about the future and the roster that even if he's not here, that he will leave for the next uh, group. What what do you hear? You know, Ron, uh, much better than I do. Yeah. I mean, he, he gave me a similar uh, story. Um, I don't know. I lost track of time here, but some point during this off season, about how, hey, look, if you know he's going to present his case 
Oh, I know. He said he said to me that he's got to be he's got to be able to present his case, his vision to ownership, because they need to be on the same page. And if they're not, then he's probably going to be out of here, um, you know, after the season. Uh, and you know, I think a lot of us probably would agree with that. Um, and you know, look, I, I just wrote a story the other day uh, observing what R- Rivera and others were doing during the draft about how they're already pitching themselves to the new ownership group. They're showing them, you know, their process, you know, a play on the words with Josh Harris, of course, overseeing the 76ers uh, process uh, uh, early in his in his tenure, which we all get. I mean, you know, job preservation is a real thing. I think when he says it's not about job preservation, I mean, maybe it's not technically. He has come to us every year with some sort of a sales pitch about whatever it is they're trying to do. You know, there was a one point, right, that very first year, the very uh, not 2020, but going to 2021, where he said, "Well, uh, you know, after they didn't get a quarterback, he's like, hey, you know, you don't always have to get a quarterback. You have to build the pieces around the quarterback, right. and then you get the quarterback and plug them in." That was that. That was that year. Now we're getting the roster build because they're going with Sam Howell, who obviously, you know, in a perfect world, he starts, he plays well, and now you have a quarterback on a rookie deal for a couple more years. That is ideal. But this idea of just starting the roster build, like that's not. That's not really what this means. It, it, it just means that he's he's trying to present the best case for what he has, and that is a guy on a rookie deal. And you know, you're hoping for the best. They've been roster building this whole time. It's just a different way of phrasing. You're just not you know having it with a rookie quarterback um, salary. By the way, they haven't had. I mean, the, the first two years they well, I guess technically you had Alex Smith, so he was an expensive quarterback, but you didn't have an expensive quarterback in 2021. You did last year by choice with Carson Wentz, and now you're going this year um, with uh, with Hal and Brissett. Um, you know, look, I think ultimately it is, I hate to say it this way, but I mean, it is essentially another sales job. And I think, I think the part that just gets sort of tiresome at a little point is we get it. It's, it's kind of transparent, to be honest. And, uh, you know, just, just go out there and play. I mean, you know, not you don't have to, like, there are a lot of things to sell on this team that are legit without having to make some things up. I mean, the defense was really good last year. There's a lot of playmakers on offense. Jacoby Brissett is arguably the best quarterback they've had. I'm not saying that's the best quarterback in the league, but like arguably the best quarterback they've had. And they've been a, you know, basically a 500 team this whole time. It's reasonable to think that with, and plus you have Eric Bieniemy here now too, that these pieces together could be a 10 win team without having to, Say things like we're roster building for the first time or whatever. It's like, uh, all right, I guess, but not really. So I don't know. That, that's kind of what I hear. I just, I just wish sometimes it would just be straightforward and not feel like you're having to sell anybody, uh, which is kind of what his, you know, his mo is. Yeah, um, there's this line, and I don't know where it came from, uh, but it's it goes something like, if all you ever have to say is what you think, then you don't have to remember your lines. And I feel like, you know, every time he sits down in front of anybody, and it's typically, you know, you guys as a group or individually or some sort of national show, um, he's coming up with new lines. And I I think that, you know, I, I would hope that the new ownership group will be able to see through it and identify what's good about him, what's bad about him, because I think Ron's probably a really good guy. I think there's some really positive things that Ron has done. But 
like your point it, it, that and I've made this point with respect to the roster building narrative many times. It's like, wait a minute, that's what you told us in 2021. This isn't a new thing. And oh, by the way, like you can really make the case that you've done a good job roster building. Like that should be something that you say, look, you know, one of the things we've been doing here since we got here is we've been building up a roster. To act like this is a new development is just, he just talks. And we've we've discussed that before. But I, I think that for him, and I was thinking about really the right case that he could make for the new ownership. And I don't know what his motives are here. You know, I had callers tell me this morning, look, he's pitching for the GM job. You know, this is what he he wants to talk about the roster building philosophy he has and what they've been able to put together. And look, if I'm not here, look at what we've what, what, look what we've left you. And he actually talks about the quarterback. Like, how does he know he's leaving uh, the new group, a, new, a, a great new quarterback? But um, I think what he could actually say is, I came in here and it was a shit show of the highest order. It actually got worse because there was a pandemic. Um, we had uh, major organizational, um, you know, issues uh, with our owner and with investigation after investigation. But what I focused on was getting higher quality people into the locker room, good football players and good people, and changing the culture of the building, uh, the side of the building that I could control. And I think I've done a really good job doing that. Um, you know, we have really good leadership in our locker room. And those, and the leaders happen to be really good players. See John Allen, see Terry McLaurin. Um, and even though I didn't draft those players, we kept those players. They, they, they may have had options to go el- elsewhere, but they wanted to stay here. And then on the field itself, the results, I wish they were better. But the truth is... I've actually overachieved with this group to a certain degree. We had a quarterback that we had to go to that was on one leg and we won a division by winning, you know, five out of six games down the stretch. Um, and it wasn't a winning record, but we got into the postseason and we nearly upset the eventual Super Bowl champions. In 2021, we missed on a quarterback trade that we were excited about, Matt Stafford. He went on to L.A. and led them to a Super Bowl. And the quarterback we signed got hurt in the first quarter of the first game. And we were you know, forced at that point because of injuries to play a guy that was a backup quarterback in the XFL for much of the year. And yet, we put together a four-game winning streak through that season, got ourselves to 500. We were in the thick of the postseason race, and then we were ravaged with COVID absences. Um, and then last year, um, we had a rough start to the season. Uh, we probably made a mistake with the quarterback that we ended up getting. He wasn't our first choice, um, but we ended up winning six out of seven games from the middle of October until early December, and we were, you know, in the playoffs, uh, playoff race. We were actually the the sixth seed at one point going into the end of our schedule. But the bottom line is, we just didn't have good enough quarterback play. But as we've been looking and searching for that quarterback, we've been playing competitive football, and we've been building out a roster that is capable of winning once we find the quarterback answer. That's, I mean, all of that is true. 
Now, if you want to describe the coaching job as overachieving, I know a lot of people are throwing up in their mouths when I describe it that way. I'm not necessarily saying that I would describe it that way, but I'm saying that you could get away with presenting it that way as Ron Rivera, the coach, to new ownership. Because there is some truth in that. They haven't had a quarterback at all. In fact, they've had rough quarterback play, and yet they've been a competitive team in all three years with a chance to make the playoffs in mid to, mid to late December of each one of those three seasons. Instead of coming up with all of this talk about, you know, we're approaching it philosophically from a different standpoint. We're going to roster build, and you know, and, 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 and like stop. Just tell the truth. The truth isn't that awful. That would be what I would say to Ron in terms of what he should present. You say what? Oh, no, yeah, I agree. You didn't even mention that in in our three years, twice we've had a top 10 defense. Right. Uh, In the year we didn't have a top 10 defense, our two edge rushers, one got lost for the year um, because of a knee injury, and the other one was out. Uh, for for a stretch because of an injury, and then also had all, uh, family tragedies that that kept him away. Um, all that's true. Um, <clears throat> they also like, look at the receivers. Yeah, we had Terry McLaurin. We didn't have anybody else, and now we have one of the better wide receiver trios in the league. Um, <clears throat> the, the you know the running back room we inherited was an aging Adrian Peterson and a kid in Darius Geis who would ultimately find himself um, in in some trouble. And now we have. A uh, two guys we drafted in in the third round got good value on Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Looks like so. Yeah, I mean we've you know we we've done a good job of adding uh, playmakers and uh, you know I mean look you can always you know uh, with the quarterback you know we know how this league works. You have to kind of have you know one of the top picks in the draft to have your best shot to get one. Um, <clears throat> and you know we've been competitive enough. We haven't always been in that position, but with Jacoby Brissett right now, you know, he's probably the best guy we've had. Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I think to your point about the, the culture and the locker room and things like that, I think that's a huge point. The guys are staying before they just all wanted to get out, and now these guys are staying. So, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good move. And heck, the, you know, the one guy that we lost, Brandon Scherf, I mean, no offense, but, you know, I don't want to pay $16 million for a guard. Right. right. So, uh, yeah, I think all these things make total sense, and it just makes you know it just works. And to your point earlier, uh, the saying you know it it, it it does just like this just, just, just speak the honest truth, and then it you don't have to sort of try to you know talk your way out of things later. And uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It, it's uh, you know even like Sam Howell. I mean, just. Say he's interesting. Don't have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, second round grade on him. Yeah. Hold on you to know. that thought on him because I want to play another piece of sound from uh, the uh, the interview with Kime out in Arizona and and respond to that because I totally agree with that sentiment. But yes, like there is this. Like first of all, when I say um, and refer to the line, you know, um, all you have to you know all you have to ever say is what you think, and then you don't have to remember your lines. As a head football coach. You don't have to do really either if you don't want to. I mean, it's a competitive business. I think he talks way too much to begin with. 
Um, but that aside, you know, if if he pitched, if he pitched honestly, what's happened here? And obviously, you know, the the overachieving as a coach, I think he could make the case for that, given what they've been able to do. Um, but I think that the the one question as the as the new owner, I would say, well, here's what you keep bringing up. You keep bringing up quarterback, and you were in charge of picking these quarterbacks. Um, and then Ron could say, and he should be honest, I made a mistake when I first got here. Because really, of all, they tried for Stafford. They tried for Russell Wilson. I personally don't consider either one of those to be a mistake, even though maybe Russell Wilson would have been a big mistake in hindsight. But in the moment, I didn't consider that to be a mistake. Look, getting desperate and going with Carson Wentz was a mistake, but getting desperate and going with Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe I don't think that was nearly the mistake that Carson Wentz was because there weren't the red flags on the deal and the money wasn't what it was with Wentz. But I think he could, you know, if he were humble enough um, and certainly honest enough, say, you know, I, because I believe this to be true, I didn't really believe in Dwayne Haskins as the long-term answer at quarterback, and I should have done something right away when I took over. And I didn't. And I didn't because... I didn't, you know, we we looked at, if Joe Burrow had been there, we would have taken Joe Burrow, but we had Tua off our board because of the hip injury, and we didn't evaluate Justin Herbert as a, a franchise quarterback and somebody worthy at number two, and there was a transcendent talent at number two on defense that really we thought we were making the right decision on. He, he could... He could admit that mistake because, you know, by the way, a lot of other people would have made that mistake too of not selecting Justin Herbert and selecting Chase Young. I don't know how many others would have made the mistake of moving forward with Dwayne Haskins, but Haskins had talent. It's not like Haskins didn't have talent. He did. But I think the word was already out, God rest his soul, that this was not the most mature of players and Ron wanted to change the culture and it didn't take him long before he said I've got 52 other guys to answer to here he's not only not going to start he's our third string quarterback I wish he had figured that out three months earlier yeah no I mean a hundred a hundred percent there's a there's a like you know your point here is there's an easy story to sell without selling anything right you just have to just say what what the reality is, and you know, look. I mean, it's not like doing the search for quarterback. Every team in the league, except for the rare circumstances like Green Bay, where they had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for a hundred years, like everybody has misses going for that. The Forty ers are viewed as this great shining light in the league, and obviously last year they hit on big with Brock Purdy in the seventh round as the last pick. But they're the same organization that traded up a bunch of stuff to take Trey Lance, and two years in. We have no idea if he's any good or not, and they, you know, that's looking like a big um, whiff for them. So, you know, this isn't, you know, another team. You know, Bill Belichick is, you know, has Mac Jones looking for him right now. I don't know, not not so hot. So, you know, and, you know, Sam Darnold, et cetera. So, you know, things happen. You do the best you can, but the reality is, we have built up a pretty good roster overall. Even going to this offseason, I said, as in Ben Sandick said. I don't see that many places that they have to get right other than the offensive line, you know, in terms of like a major problem. 
everything else is like you know pretty reasonable. You know, so like that's a good that's a good sign. But yeah, it's uh, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, it just gets to be a lot at some point, especially you know now that we're going into the fourth year of this. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, we, we, it's yeah, it, it just becomes more transparent when the more obvious story is sitting you know right there for him. All right, I want to play something else from Kime's conversation with Ron out in Arizona. This was on Sam Howell. This is what he said. Well, there's, do you remember specific times when you saw that growth, like specific oh, plays or moments? We'd, we'd be in practice, and the first thing you would hear from the defensive guys is, I was trying to make that play. I just couldn't get to the ball. Really? You know, I, I mean, and it's, it's that old saying that players know players. Right. And so as you listen to him talk about, you know, God, his ball was so catchable. Man, he threw that to the only spot. So two things sort of, you know, struck me in listening to this. Not that we haven't heard this many times already since the end of the season. But it's like, number one is, if it was so obvious, then everybody know, knew it. You know, players know players, which is, you know, kind of where Kime wrote that story from this interview last week. Well, what took you so long to play him, and why did you hesitate to play him in the finale? We've been through that. Number two is this. Stop doing this. You know, this is my, you know, 15-year description of this franchise you know, over-promising and under-delivering. Like, Gibbs would never do this to a young player. He would never talk about, you know, players, no players, and he's making these throws. And the, I mean, my God. I mean, it's like we've got, we've got Marino, uh, you know, out there uh, with the practice squad, and everybody knows it. Like, I mean, I, I just wish he would say something like, Sam Howe is, you know, we like him a lot. We like the kid. You know, he's, he's got a ways to go. He's got a new offense to learn. You know, this isn't year two of the same thing. We got a new offensive coordinator. He hasn't played a lot of football at this level. We like we, we, what we saw last year, you know, in practice. We like what we saw in the in the one game that he played at the end of the year. But, you know, this is a, you know, we, we like the kid. We're going to give him a chance, and hopefully he can really earn it here in the offseason season. Um, but you know, who knows, uh, you don't really know until you get into the games and you see what he's made of when the live bullets start to fly and they've only flown once for him in the NFL. So, uh, I'll be able to tell you more about him, you know, probably in mid October, you know, come back to me then, but it's not the way he approaches it. It's like the opposite of Gibbs. And I always use Gibbs. Gibbs would never put this kind of pressure on a young player, and he wouldn't ever give anybody else out there the feeling that they've got it all figured out. In fact, he'd say the opposite. Um, this is this drives me crazy to hear this discussion of Sam Howell. I'm not suggesting he's lying, although I'm suspicious about all of this Sam Howell stuff and how it got started and, and why we're here uh, with him, but I just wish he would not over promise and if anything under promise and then wow us when we get to September remember Griffin we were already all fired up about Griffin but we had no idea until the New Orleans game what they were rolling out with pistol formation and a dual threat attack and it was like whoa we didn't see any of that in preseason nobody was talking about that like he just talks too much. 
And this, to me, is not wise to try to pump your young quarterback who's thrown 19 passes in the NFL uh, to try to gin everybody up about him uh, because, you know, there's another direction it could go when we get to the games. Yeah, I mean, what's the old saying? You know, under promise and over deliver. You know, yeah, my I my mean, mantra over that that they're an organization that's over promised and under delivered for twenty five years. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, this is a case. I mean, you know, you could have you could have ended up with the exact same Jacoby Brissett, Sam House scenario, but if the, if instead, like you know, th- ahead of getting Brissett, it was just you know, hey, we're you know, we're going to obviously explore our options at the draft and free agency. And, you know, we think Sam Howell's certainly interesting. That's why we gave him a start in the end of the year. Um, and we'll see where we're at. And then they get Brissett and be like, well, look, I mean, Brissett finished eighth in QBR rating last year. I, I know that he hasn't had starter success in terms of wins and losses when given opportunities, but he also played for lousy teams. I don't know if any of those teams had a top – he was playing with – had a top-10 defense or Terry McLaurin, a wide receiver, and things like that. So we have Brissett. We feel pretty good about him. No disrespect to all the other quarterbacks we've had, but honestly, we may be entering this season with the best quarterback room talent we've had entering a year. And, you know, in terms of Sam Howell, look, you know, I think everybody understands having a quarterback on a rookie contract is a pretty good deal. Look what the Bengals were able to do uh, with Joe Burrow. It meant they could sign other guys. Look at our own division. The Eagles just last year had Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract. And because of that, they were able to go get a lot of the, you know, add a bunch of veterans. And, you know, that would be amazing if we could do that. Now, I don't know. We'll see if Sam Howell's going to get a shot. I think we have, you know, we want to explore this. But if not, we feel really good about Brissett. If he just says that, but and doesn't start it in January, he just says it more recently after, for agency at least, then it's a whole different view. And let the outsiders say whatever they want about that. You know, if you lined up all the quarterbacks in the league, I think Jacoby Brissett is somewhere in the top 32. Not We know not every team can have a star or even a, you know, or a first-round pick because there's only so many in a given year that are that are good and go from there. But, yeah, I mean, and we've talked about this before, you know, my, my contention that the reason they started pumping up how when they did was to change the subject from the late-season collapse and Carson Wentz. Right. Uh, not working out, yep. do something positive, which is totally reasonable from a PR perspective, except for the fact that now it has led to this story with legs for three months about how, wait a minute, is Washington really putting all their eggs in the Sam Howe basket? I don't necessarily know that they are, but that's now how it's being framed because of what they did. And, you know, when you, you know, when you throw one thing out there, it's, you, that, you know, think about how much it would have been different if they had just let it die out, let the Carson Wentz. Like, it wasn't like Ron was going to be getting fired immediately right. or anything. So what was the point of having to do all that other than just purely not wanting to see negative headlines or whatever about it? It's like, all right, well, people will get over it. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> the, it's the don't look in, you know, what's in this hand, which is, we lost to Cleveland starting Carson Wentz, and I didn't even know that we could be eliminated from the playoffs at the end of that day. To look over here and look at what we have. Did you see him in the Dallas game? He's got a chance to be our our franchise quarterback. He's QB one. No, it's it's totally reasonable 
to come to that conclusion, especially when you have the context of they literally weren't sure about playing him or playing him a lot in the season finale. But by the way, it's worked. I mean, it hasn't worked on me. I don't think it's worked on you, but I think there are, you know, a set there's a segment of the fan base that is really excited about Sam Howell and forgot all about the Carson Wentz debacle against the Browns. Like, you know, we I've I've said this in, in more recent years. We do have, you know, a portion of this fan base that has been kind of easy for the team. Um, and, you know, it, it's the same group that, you know, I, I don't want to get into it. But the bottom line is, to a certain degree, it's worked. And even people who are somewhat skeptical, you know, if they liked Sam Howell at North Carolina – they kind of like this idea more than drafting a quarterback or more than, you know, looking at anything that they could have looked at, you know, uh, uh, other than the draft. So the strategy yeah, well, has actually kind of worked for them. To, to, a, to a degree. I mean, I think, you know, it's a tie it all into this, um, the same interview and the same story and all that, you know, go back to the year before and, and, you know, we're, we're, you know, sorry to, Mentioned this with time, but it's his story, and we're talking about it. Um, in 2022, the story was that time put out there with one source says that they um, contacted all 31 other teams right. in search of a quarterback and had a list of over 40 people. Now that subsequently has been dialed back to teams with available quarterbacks, but you know that that still was out there. And you know who reads this stuff beyond you and me? The other teams. And the other teams, like, there's no hiding how desperate they were to figure this out. So when the time comes and they can't get Russell Wilson and their other options are fading and the Colts are like, all right, well, we have Carson Wentz, instead of – it's one thing to take on Carson Wentz. They could have given up the draft picks they did but not pay, but not taken on the full salary or vice versa, taken on the full salary but only given up a, 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 a much, much lesser – Pick yeah. value. Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, you could be like, all right, well, they're taking a shot. But to do to to take it all had to be on some level because the Colts were very aware how desperate this team was because they kept telegraphing everything yeah. for weeks on end. Yeah. And you know, that's that that's the thing. So even if the Sam Howell thing is working, which I don't disagree with you on to a degree with some parts of the fan base, it's the point of how, why you know how you're choosing to make these decisions that somehow. The, the public relations aspect is more important than just the actual doing. Right. You know, like you yeah. know, other teams, you know, I mean, look, as a reporter, I'm happy for all him, for him saying a lot of things. It, it obviously is interesting to a degree, but in terms of the actual running of the franchise, the team, what's the, what's the point of saying all this stuff when it just, what, 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 you know, why do you have to say we contacted all other teams? I would hope so. I would, I would hope. I mean, not not the Chiefs or the Bengals, but I mean, I would hope he would call. Isn't that a given? Like, if, it was the shocking, more shocking thing would be to find out. Yeah, we didn't bother calling anybody to see if they had a quarterback available because we just didn't do that. Like, I, of course. I mean, you no. don't have to tell us these things. Yeah, I mean, no, you're you're 100 percent right. I, I I talked about this last week with the luck stuff. It's like you know. When you talk as much as they do um, and you telegraph as much as they do, 
The telegraphing last year basically resulted in getting absolutely robbed by the Colts on the Wentz deal, and they didn't even know it. Like, they couldn't even figure out how badly they were taken to the cleaners on that deal. And then on top of that, you know, running their mouth as much as they did to try to tell everybody how, you know, focused and dialed in they were on trying to find their new quarterback, they may have suggested something about Andrew Luck that could, I don't think it will, um, but could have put them in jeopardy of losing a draft choice. Again, like, at some point, new owner, new culture, shut up and win some games. I mean, it's just been, I know I repeat this line all the time from Doc, but Doc many years ago saying, nobody does Monday through Saturday better than this franchise. Sundays are the problem. And that's been, that hasn't really changed in a lot of ways with this particular group. And it really speaks to this level of insecurity and being unsure, even though, again, I can say that and also, you know, uh, recognize and acknowledge that, you know, Ron has done some things with kind of the culture of the locker room and the players that are involved that I think you can, you know, give him some kudos for. All right. Um, I I kind of talked about in the open briefly the story from Kaplan um, in The Athletic yesterday. I had him on radio yesterday. Uh, and then talked about the Maskey story as well with Nikki. Um, do you have a sense right now? Like, wh- where's your sense on the Harris bid, the timing, et cetera? Yeah, I, I mean, I think as this has progressed, you know, I think when, when when they first came to an agreement and we heard this could be could take some time, I think a lot of our thought was, all right, well, you know, sure, of course, I mean, Dan Snyder is Dan Snyder. There's, of course, going to be a fly in the ointment. Um, and, you know, if he's pushing for indemnity, whether it's for the Mary Kill White investigation or anything else that could come up, okay, that could be a problem. But, you know, as time went on and we see that Josh Harris has uh, reportedly around, you know, there's 17 partners overall, you know, you say, okay, well, does, you know, does he have the goods to the money to, to, to get this over the finish line? And, you know, in the, in the days prior to these reports, you know, we definitely started to hear more questions about that and uh yeah i mean i think i think this is a little a little nerve-wracking i think that if you're you know from the standpoint of wanting dan snyder to sell um i, I think that kaplan um in his story you know um made a couple of points about maybe the, the, that the league seems to be willing to bend over backwards to get this done so i think that that's a that's a positive sign I guess I would ultimately say I still think they figure out a way to come too far for this thing to to not get done. But I, you know, I, I do think this is taking longer. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny, right? With that, you know, I, I still remember Maryland playing in the NCAA tournament well, almost two months ago at this point, and that was the night that everybody was coming out saying they're close. This thing's almost done, yeah. and here we are, all these weeks later. Not only is it not done, it's feeling like it's almost regressed a bit so you know i don't want to talk i don't want to like send off too many alarm bells in part because i just don't know and i don't think most people know definitively what is really going to happen but i think there has to be some question and by the way i think there is another question here and that is even if they now push this over the line what does this mean if josh harris is having this much difficulty 
getting there. What does this mean for things that come after this, namely like the stadium? Of course. You know, that, 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 that's going to cost huge money. So what does that mean? Uh, not just in terms of getting it done, does it mean it's going to be delayed five years more? I, I, you know, who knows? So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of questions still now, and some that are being you know, raised uh, more so now than they were a few weeks back. So I, I, it's a little, it's, it is a little alarming, but hopefully the league is willing to, you know, bend over uh, or turn, <laughs> to change some of their guidelines a little bit to, to willing to, to alter some things that they viewed as, you know, must-haves previously in terms of debt limits and whatever to, to get this done. Um, all right, last one on the football team. Minicamp, rookie minicamp this weekend. You just reported that Quan Martin, uh, their second-round pick uh, out of Illinois, uh, is not going to be present for personal reasons. Um, I'm just curious, in addition to rookies, you know, showing up on, you know, their draft choices, their undrafted free agents, um, et cetera, are there veterans that show up for this? Not, not veterans like guys that, you know, you know, play a lot, but there'll be some guys who are on, certainly on the practice squad from last year who will be there. You know, if you told me a guy like Christian Holmes, their seventh round pick last year who played a lot on special teams but not a lot on defense. If you told me a guy like that was there, or you know, that wouldn't surprise me, or, or Jared Patterson or something like that. I think that's plausible for sure. But yeah, it's not going to be anybody who you you know are overly familiar with, unless there's some circumstance of like somebody's been kind of rehabbing from an injury, and this is a chance to get out there and and uh, do some things in a, in a uh, control a controlled setting with with other players. But yeah, it's just basically going to be rookies. Um, undrafted free agents, players coming in for tryouts who maybe get lucky uh, or show off their wares enough to, to get an invitation to join the 90-man roster or things like that. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect any any bets or anybody of note out there. Uh, any word on why Quan Martin specific to the reasons? I mean, is everything okay? Or do we know? No, we don't know. They just okay. told us that he is well, what you said, a personal matter. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, just so everybody uh, has an idea of what's coming, so this is rookie minicamp. You know the um, this weekend. There's a mandatory minicamp June sixth through June eighth, um, and then you've got three sets, uh, or at least three, two sets of o- three sets of OTA days. I think the first one's no, it's 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 two sets this year. They lost. Oh, one. because they, they lost one one because of the hitting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think the first set of OTAs is end of May, right? Uh, no, the uh, well, I guess it may end of May. It, it's the, the the same week that the that their league is meeting in Minnesota, right? Twenty uh, second, right? That's twenty third through twenty fifth, I think. Right. That that'll be the first OTA session is right overlapping with those dates, and then the next one will be basically a week later. Yep. And then. I think it's a, I think they skip a week and then they have um, mini camp, better mini camp right. where uh, all you know, everybody will be there. All right, uh, Ben covered the NBA and the Wizards for many years before he took over the Washington football team beat. Uh, so I asked him to stick around for just one short, I promise, NBA playoff segment to finish up the show. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Warriors stayed alive last night, beating the Lakers 121 to 106. Anthony Davis was grazed with kind of a forearm um, and then ended up in a wheelchair uh, as he exited uh, the arena with concussion like symptoms. The reporting today is that he does not have a concussion, will not enter concussion protocol, and therefore be available for tomorrow night's sixth game uh, in L.A. Um, I I just want – Ben's staying up and watching all these games uh, as well. Um, And so I wanted to say this about last night's Golden State game. I loved Draymond Green last night. And I I, sometimes – Tommy Tommy laughed at me recently because I called him a a basketball genius, which was a bit embellished, understood. I was trying to make the point that, you know, uh, beyond the loose screw that he clearly has, uh, the loose emotional screw that he clearly has, he's a great basketball player. He's a Hall of Fame um, player um, in the future. And last night with their season on the line, his energy level and his competitive level was off the charts. And, you know, Steph was really outstanding in the game. Wiggins played really well 
uh, for them. I thought Looney played her really good game, uh, the best game he's played after being sick for a few games, Ben. But Draymond Green ended up with 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. And he was the catalyst in the energy uh, all night long. And I just thought I was really, really impressed. As I have been many times in the past, no matter how nuts he is with Draymond Green. What was your takeaway from the game last night? Yeah, I mean, in terms of Draymond, you know, there are so many. I, I, I had someone ask me this the other day. If if Draymond had put say on the Wizards, or really almost any other team from the start of his career, and with the way he plays, and the in terms of the the antics and the anger and the you know the 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 the, the, the text and all, and things like that, would he have gotten a second contract? You know, like would he have actually stayed? And I suspect in most places, other than maybe Miami with Pat Riley. The answer might be no, because too many places don't understand how what he would, would not have understood what he is or how to deal with it. That like, yes, as you pointed out, there can be so much frustration, but the good is so unbelievable. You know, when they had the um, the death lineup, right? The original version of this Golden State team that became problematic for the rest of the league. Right. Of course, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson shooting was the highlight. But the reason they were able to pull this off, meaning going with this small lineup, this switchable lineup, was because of Draymond Green's ability at 6'8 to defend big men, but also serve essentially as a point guard or a point forward or whatever you want to say, um, and and distribute the ball. And that was the missing piece. That that was a piece that there's just so few players in the league that that could pull that off. I mean, when I say few, I mean like, I don't even know how many. (laughs) Two, three? I mean, you know, there's not many guys who could do that, and you know, like you said, last night was a reminder. Not not that he was as good necessarily as he was, or maybe he was uh, from those early days, but it's a reminder that his highs are very highs. The, the, the multiple ways he could impact the game, and you know, last night was a really good example. I mean, his scoring. You know, he's not known to score points these days, but you know, the first like three minutes, he hit a three and had like six or eight points pretty quickly. Um, and I think, he, like you said, that was a sign that he was going to be aggressive throughout on both ends of the court yeah I mean he's just he is one of those dudes when you know uh when backs are against the wall he is a big time fighter and a big time competitor and they all are I mean they've you know that is the definition of of a championship group that they have there but I just I was you know it's not the first time I felt that way watching him and it probably won't be the last um, although who knows with this group and where it's headed, but um, I, I thought he was just outstanding. By the way, I thought LeBron played one of his better games, certainly shooting the ball. For those that thought that the Lakers were going to come out and lay down like they did in Game 5 against Memphis, they really didn't. You know, they lost by 15 points. They were down by 11 at halftime, but it was a very competitive first half. Um, but uh, I don't know. To me, Anthony, they can't win this series without Anthony Davis. You agree with that, right? They lose the next two if he doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, I think if Anthony Davis is playing at you know the all you know the all pro all star level, whatever that he's capable of, and I mean, he it's not just an all star. Like when he is on, you know, uh, you want you know I agree to like Jokic or Embiid or whatever, the best players in the league probably at this point or in Giannis. But Anthony Davis is right there when he's playing at his best. His problem is he's just not between the injuries and just his own inconsistency. It's not there all the time. But yes, they don't have enough elsewhere. You know, the, 
to, to, to get it done. On the flip side, I would say, I don't see how Golden State's winning these last two games if Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole keep shooting uh, miserable, uh, you know, from the field. Like, they are not making any shots. Unfortunately for Golden State last night, it was a Draymond Green performance, and Andrew Wiggins stepped up. Of course, Steph is always going to uh, put up points, but they're going to need those guys to do more because if they're not, you know, like I don't imagine Draymond's going to have the same game again, and Wiggins is up and down too, so they're going to need Clay and Jordan Poole um, because, yeah, if Anthony Davis is able to play and can do what he, we, we often expect from him, then they're going to be in trouble. I mean, Poole shot, made some shots last night. He was non-existent um, the two previous games. There's clearly a problem with Jordan Poole and, and, that, and that group there. Um, but, but beyond that, I've actually been, you know – confused by Kerr's, you know, starting lineups and substitution patterns. I mean, Jermichael Green had two great games in a row and he hasn't played since. And I understand they want to play Peyton more. Um, uh, you know, Looney was sick there for a while. They can really use him on the boards, but he can't guard Davis. And then getting to Davis for the Lakers, I mean, I, look, I, I'm not suggesting that he wasn't concussed or there wasn't a concern of a concussion because I understand that concussions aren't always the biggest blows. They can be glancing blows, which that appeared to be last night. That was not a big-time blow. Um, but Anthony Davis's reputation of being soft you know, precedes all of this. And I hope, for his sake, he doesn't have concussion, he doesn't enter concussion protocol, and he plays. Because if he doesn't, no matter what anybody says, if it's legitimate or not legitimate, it is going to be another thing that starts to define him as a player that you couldn't count on, as great as he is. Um, I think... Uh, you know, it looks like he'll be available, um, and we'll see how he plays. Uh, I definitely think the pressure's back on L.A. I think they, the pressure's on them to end this tomorrow night at home, and if they don't, that's going to be a tough ask for them to win a Game 7 on the road. I'd like to see that, actually. I'd really like to see the Warriors go in and win tomorrow night. Um, as far as tonight goes, uh you know, you know how I think. The Celtics are two and a half point favorites after getting blitzed in game five at home and playing in Philadelphia tonight. They're a bigger favorite on the road than they've been the entire series. Uh, that one reeks to high heaven for me. I'm going to be on the Celtics tonight. And then uh, the, the Suns are only two and a half point favorites at home over the Nuggets. I think Denver ends it tonight. I like both Denver and Boston tonight. Um, but, you know, as it relates to um, Denver, you know Jokic. I know Jokic. I want him, Ben, to make the NBA Finals because I want people who don't really know his game to see him in that spotlight. Oh, I mean, 100%. I, you know, uh, the older I get and you get more responsibilities and i got to cover this team and all that, like I don't have the patience to watch as much NBA regular season as I as I did, I try to stay on top of of the Wizards, which is you know a chore in itself. Uh, but then, other than that, you know it's kind of hard. But I, if I'm aware that Steph Curry and Jokic are playing on a TNT or ESPN game or whatever, I, I do try to make an extra effort because it is just a joy to watch them play basketball. And, and for Jokic, like I think on some level, you know, you and I are from the same uh, generation, I think there's like two ways to how you look at basketball. 
there was the Michael Jordan way where it's a lot of, you know, obviously dynamic one-on-one athletic play that people aspire to. They want to be like Mike. And then there's the pass first, see the court, the court vision with Bird and Magic. That, to me, is how I prefer my basketball. And there's not a lot of that these days, but Jokic, it is from that era. It is from that lineage. His ability, his passes are insane, and he's doing it. It's not like he's coming up with, like, you know, some Magic Johnson trickery on the fast break. He's just standing at the top of the key, looks around the court, and somehow sees every angle, no matter where the player is. It's it's breathtaking to watch. But then when you're taking away the passing lanes, he scores like you can't believe. So efficiently, he's he seemingly never rattled. And obviously, you look at him, he is hardly some dynamic athlete relative to other NBA players. And it's almost like, how is he doing this? But he's doing it over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, he is, um, you know, he is, he's been carrying this franchise the last three years. You know, people, you know, knocked him for having not advanced deep into the playoffs previously. Well, I mean, last year they had, a, you know, a mess of injuries. They shouldn't even have been where they were. Yeah. Without his no Murray. Dynamic, yeah. Without his, yeah. Without his dynamic play. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when, when you can be a player, like there's a lot of excellent players in the league, but not all of them show up at all times and are, pre, are fairly consistent. And that's one of the things I, I will you know, always give LeBron credit for or Jordan or guys like that is every game you come to see them play, even if they have a, a, an off-shooting night, they show up. And Jokic, I think, is one of those guys. And that, to me, is about as high a compliment as I could give anybody. Uh, and, and yeah, it would be great if he's able to make the finals uh, just from what you said. So people, you know, the, ca- the more casual fans can really get a look of his artistry out there. Yeah. Uh, tonight should be uh, another good night in the NBA playoffs. By the way, John Orand, who was on with me this morning on radio, said the NBA ratings are through the roof in these playoffs, uh, which does not surprise me. I was hoping to hear that I wasn't the only one. Uh, that had been captivated by um, these games and these superstar performances. Um, it's been uh, it's been great, and we're only halfway through it. So, all right. Uh, by, by, by the way, as, as somebody who pays attention to the Wizards, here's how I also spend part of my time. Every time it looks like somebody needs to get traded after whatever happens here, whether it's like DeAndre Ayton or maybe Julius Randle, I go to the trade machine see what can I accomplish here with Beal. Can you make a deal where, where, where you make a move here? Because, you know, this is the thing with the Wizards. It's like, yeah, I'd like it one time to be there, you know, back in this mix and, uh, you know, so far removed. Well, I, I said this the other day that I um, – uh, it was it was the it, it was the game the other night that the Knicks the game on Sunday I guess that the Knicks lost or the game on Monday night that the Knicks lost to the Heat and they fell behind three one and I was sitting there the following morning and I'm watching all of the coverage of the NBA playoffs on ESPN primarily and I actually found myself you know desiring the Wizards just to be part of the mix because it was kind of fun there for those years when they were in the playoffs they weren't an 8 seed they weren't playing a play in game they were a 5 seed they won first round series each of those years you know beating chicago beating toronto um you know beating atlanta um having a seven game conference semifinal series against boston 
you know, you're part of the, this is a sport like the other basketball sport, college basketball, that people don't pay attention to it until the games matter. College basketball has become a one month sport. And this is like a two and a half month sport during the postseason. Nobody really watches a lot of NBA regular season anymore, except for the diehards. I'm, I'm an NBA fan. I don't watch a lot of regular season, except for the Wizards. But, man, you get to the playoffs, and it is a completely different sport in the way the games are played. And then everybody's paying attention. And I liked when the Wizards were a part of the mix, even though I knew they couldn't win a title. I would prefer that. I mean, I would prefer being a legitimate contender. But those those four to five years or four years out of five, whatever it was, they were actually a part of the story this time of year. And they haven't been for a while. Uh, and I kind of wish that they were. But whatever. And by the way, when they were, Ben, they were with two very young players that you could be legitimately excited about for you know, looking ahead to the next five to seven to eight years. Didn't work out well, that way. So, that's why it's so frustrating that, that Ted Leonsis seems to be so insistent. I mean, he, he has said on the record, we will never, ever tank. And obviously their actions continue to say that. They're, they're trying to get to the AC or the play-in game, or I guess maybe you can't say the play-in game because they punted on that this year. But, like, they're trying to get that to get that playoff revenue or whatever. When, as you said, the John Wall-Bradley Beal era – was because they were horrendous and got the first pick of the draft and the third pick of the draft yeah. and made some good selections, and that's how they got back to being good. It's not complicated. You either get the star free agents to come to your place, which they never do, or you put yourself in the, in the, in the, in the lottery position and um, give yourself a chance to get these young guys from the jump. And you know, with the contract situation, you can have them on your roster for basically you know, uh, eight years or so and see what happens. Um, you know, the, the, the funny thing is the guy who we think is going to buy the commanders, this is exactly how that team got into this by going with the ultimate tank with the process, and they ended up, you know, they were submissive, which is the point. You're never going to be perfect, but they got Joel Embiid, and, uh, you know, here they are, one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. Uh, but let me just finish up by um, once again emphasizing Boston and Denver tonight. Uh, Boston laying the two, two and a half. Denver plus the three, three and a half. Uh, I haven't liked uh, many sides here in recent days. I'm glad I wasn't on on Sunday because I loved Denver and had them Sunday night. But um, those are the two sides tonight that I like. All right. Uh, thanks for doing this, as always. Absolutely. Uh, oh, every time I come on your show, people tell me they heard me on your po- podcast far more than I do on mine. So I appreciate. Oh, stop it! The uh, the, the, the point time. No, uh, stand, I, I, standing room only is Ben's <laughs> podcast, and as I've told you many times before, people subscribe to the Athletic. Totally worth it. Uh, it's. I mean, literally, you can get it now for like a buck to two bucks a month, and um, Ben writes really well and does a great job covering the team. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow, we'll obviously have the NFL schedule and the entire Washington schedule, uh, the official schedule uh, for the show tomorrow. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.